I'm a dude, and I'm inviting you to join me on a podcast about brews. Does that include stouts? Yes. Yes, of course it includes stouts. Like I was saying, join us every Saturday on the journey hey, hey, into... Hey, co- wait a minute. Do you, do you guys do anything about, like, IPAs? Yes. Like that? Yes, of, yes, of, yes, we do IPAs. Okay. It's, okay. It, yes. Anyway, join us on the Journey into Comics Network for Brews with Dudes. Whoa, whoa, po- hey, hey, do you... Have you guys ever... Do you care if I bring some Zima on? Yes, I care if you bring Zima. Zima doesn't count. Zima... Oh. Zima... Dr. Dongo. Anyway, join us every Saturday for a podcast that delves into the craft brew world. The following... The following... The following journey into comics. Journey into comics. The journey into comics. Journey into comics. Journey into comics. Journey into comics. Network. 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 Production. Production. Hey, hey, this is Josh Richmond, and you are listening to the Voice of Survival podcast, exclusively on the Journey into Comics Network. What's up, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome back to the Voice of Survival Podcast, Season 2, Episode 9. I am your host, Nate. As the introduction said, and today joining me, a very special guest, someone who I have been trying very hard to get on this show. Welcome to the Voice of Survival Podcast, Mr. Nick Maxson. It's good to be here. Okay. Are, do we got vocals on you? I, I don't know. Okay, there we go. I don't know. Maybe I'm not talking loud enough. Which is rare. We had to turn it up a little bit because we're doing the level adjust here. So yeah. we're live at LaFiCon. Yes, LaFiCon 5. I think it's pretty awesome to interview at LaFiCon 5 because this is partially your brainchild. Yes. Like 40% your brainchild, would you say? Um, I, I'd say it was uh, close, to, close, to, close to a third. Close to a third? Cool. Because um, so, I know that you're one of the main heads that kind of put this all together, starting with TippyCon, right, was what it was yep, initially we were, called? We're, Tippicon the first year. Okay. Um, then we uh, decided to go with a different name. We were pushed by someone to go with a different name. Um, but there's no reason to litigate that here now. Uh, so it's Tippicon the first year. We've been LaffyCon for four years now. But we're still considering it the fifth because it's the same event, just a different name. Yeah, you just it's the same people running it, obviously. You were just uh, – sometimes you got to do the name change, man. Just yeah. Something different, but uh, you know, really, we're not here to just talk about LaFiCon and what you do here because you do so almost too many things, way too many, really, arguably. Uh, and it's weird because while I know all the things you do, I don't know a whole hell of a lot about your past, like where you come from, what your journey to here is. So first and foremost, are you a Lafayette born and raised, born and bred kid? Yep. Awesome. So born home hospital. Oh, nice. Not there anymore. They demolished it. Gone. That's sad. It was. So what was growing up in Lafayette for you like? What was your experience? Did you have a lot of friends when you were little? Did you move around in Lafayette a lot? Did you kind of have one place? or We lived in the same pretty much neighborhood for the first seven, eight years of my life. Moving to different houses, but all in the same kind of area. 
um, had a lot of friends like on the uh, in the neighborhood. Sweet. Um, so we would you know wake like up your in the crew and you and mom and dad didn't care if you ran around in the streets. You know we weren't on major streets, so we were in the middle of town. You could run around in the street, running into other kids' backyards, just running into other kids' houses. Um, we moved out to um, near Romney, okay. which is just on the outskirts of Lafayette. Sure. Um, when I was uh, 10 or 11, and we moved out to the middle of the country, and we had a huge woods behind us with a creek and everything, so we had our own bridge to Terabithia back there. And So you literally, having the wilderness kind of brought to you like that, had a whole new world to just explore and adventure and One do to the other. What? You know? Yeah, anything. You know? Urban to, to rural. Oh. Um, and it was great, and I loved it. You know, we had... You know, trees that had fallen down, hit by lightning. You know, those were castles, you know, climbing up and, you know, falling out of trees and jumping in the creek. And it was great. It was fun. We had apple wars. You'd have crab apples that would fall out of the trees. And we would, we, me and my siblings would fucking throw apples at each Chuck other. Chuck them. It was dangerous oh, times. Oh, man. Jumping out of trees, throwing apples at each other. How many siblings do you have? Three. All the same parents? Full-blooded? Yep. Sweet. Yep. So are you the youngest, middle? Nope, I'm one of the middle. I've got an older brother, younger brother, younger sister. Okay, sweet, sweet. So, what was okay? So you guys obviously played a lot and had a lot of those experiences. Did your older bl- brother influence you in getting into music and all that, or did you use him as kind of a guide for who you were going to become? I know it like, kind of just unintentionally happens a lot with siblings. The older siblings, the cool ones. So everybody's yeah. like, "What are we doing?" My older brother is only about a year and a half older than me. Okay. So, so we were very close in age anyway. Okay. Um, we ended up having a lot of the same friends after a while. Um, he wasn't, uh, I would say, I want to say he wasn't musical, but he liked he liked music and stuff. He just didn't, he never was a musician per se. Gotcha. Um, but he's the one that got me into uh, um, System of a Down, who is one of the most influential bands for me. Um, so he got me into good music. For sure. Excellent. So where d- was was him getting you into good music, the spark for playing an instrument, or did that come through school and, and before that? Or Yeah, I would say, because it, it, was, it was when I started listening to System of a Down that it um, made me think that uh, music could be a way to express feelings. Because, you know, when you're a kid, like, it was a lot of, uh, I was born in the 90s, so oh, yeah. a lot of pop, a lot of boy bands. A lot of country, too. Um, and it didn't really... I don't know. It didn't strike. It didn't strike me as authentic. Um, you know, they, they, pop music and boy bands and stuff—they talk about a lot of personal things, but it doesn't feel like authentic. You know what I'm They're saying? They're so generalized. Yeah, generalized love and and betrayal. And but what I liked about System of a Down was that it it felt like they were angry and tackling and real issues. And that wasn't issues. a thing. And that wasn't a thing in 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 pop music was to be angry with your music. It all no. sounds so happy. Yeah. Um, so that felt more real to me. And So did you cling first to like, oh, I need to learn an instrument? Or was it immediately I want to sing? Or, or It was always a singing thing. So that, that's been your main... Do you play guitar at all? I dabble. Dabble. But I've been dabbling for six years or so. Six, seven years. Okay. So, But I think being in a band, it's almost hard not to dabble with those instruments when yeah. you're in the same room. Somebody sets a guitar down, you're like, whatever, oh, try yeah. dink yeah. around. I've got, I've got way too many uh, guitars in my house for not being as good as I should be. <laughs> that's that's the way I view it. Have you, um, you know, written 
you know, we're kind of jumping around here, but I just want you talking about being in your bands. Mm-hmm. You have a lot of bands to discuss. So what was your first musical experience as a singer? That would be... <laughs> That would be the fourth grade talent show where, Sweet. I, where I sang uh, uh, All Star by Smash Mouth. Did you really? <laughs> yes. That's amazing. Did you do well? Yeah. Did yeah. you feel stage fright or any of those things, if you can remember, like back um, then? So I moved from, uh, from the city to the country in the middle of my fourth grade year, and I did it that, so that spring. Uh, so I already didn't know the kids very much. So there wasn't much stage fright because just being there in the first place was stage fright. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't know anybody anyway. So, but that was kind of a good. I was like, I'm not going to embarrass myself in front of these people. I don't know these people anyway. That actually gives you like the I don't care in front of a crowd yeah. attitude because I, exactly I what you're people. saying. You, how often? Of course, local shows are kind of different. You play sometimes to the local crowd. They know you. They want you to be playing. Mm-hmm. You see the same people. But when you're out on the road and playing. You might never see any of those people in that room again, ever. Right. So what does it matter? You know? Yeah. Oh, I messed up. Oops. I move Oops, on. Yeah. So you do the fourth grade talent show, and you got a taste. Did people like it? Did they go nuts? Or do you yeah. remember the reaction at all? No, it was fun. They were it into it. We were goofy, so they liked it. Did, was it just you performing, or was it you and a couple guys? Just two guys. Nice. Sweet. Yep. It so, was a weird. It was a weird group of guys. So moving on from there, you do the talent show, and you're like, oh, cool. You're in a new area. You've got this rural environment. Um, obviously being f- in like fifth grade, you're not starting a band. So when, di- when, when, when did that happen? I mean, how old were you when you finally said like, what if I get with some buddies and let's make something? So we tried in, I believe we were freshmen. We Sweet. tried to, we tried to put something together. We did another talent show type thing. We did, uh, damn it. I blink 182. Awesome. Um, and then per- we, we didn't ever actually do anything except a couple cover songs. And then it wasn't until, I believe I was eight, 18 or 19, that a couple guys were writing, uh, I'll just say party music. Um, they were really into like Dance Gavin Dance. Sure. Kind of stuff, fun party stuff like that. Yeah. Um, so that's when I first joined. That's, so that's 2012, I would say. And what band was that? We'd be. Wow, so they are your My first band is the band f- that I'm still with. First official like yep. serious band. That's amazing. Yep. And so you guys have been together what is that? Almost 10 years? 6 years. 6 years. My uh, math is so bad. yeah, we got together in 2012. We didn't play till 2013. So we always say that we're 6 years old, but technically it's probably closer to 7. Nice. Um none of those guys are still in the band. Um we we started and it was there was two guitarists and a drummer. Before we played our first show, the drummer quit. Um, and then the guy that came in, uh, his name was Cody. He was with the band for four, five years. So he was with it for a while. Cody Clem. Cody Clem. Nice. And then uh, Very so the two guitarists that were with the band initially, they're not with the band anymore. They uh, they phased out after about a year or two. So they weren't really. They didn't see music as something they wanted to. Um, not after a while. One chase. of the guys. One of the guys dealt with life. A lot of hard life things, and he just kind of removed himself. And the other guy got a got a good job offer out of town. So, um, Corey joined. Corey Guilford joined the band after the first guitarist left, and that was in 2013. So Corey has been with the band pretty, pretty much, much since the beginning. Yeah. Um, and then we've gone through a few guitarists. After the second guitarist quit, we got Mr. Colby Terry, um, and Colby was with us for two or three years. 
And then he got a job out in Seattle. Colby's phenomenal. Colby Dude Music. Colby Dude Music. Hills it. He writes his own uh, video game covers. Um, he- I'd say they're heavy metal. Heavy metal covers. Definitely. And does like the drum programming and everything. Yeah. And nuts. Yeah. He's extraordinarily talented. Yeah. He did all of our um, all of our online stuff. Like he made our website. He's a Sweet. web developer. So oh. um, he made us look good on the internet. Um, and he still does. He still does all the back end stuff for That's us. That's awesome. So he hasn't really like he he just transitioned to a different role of the band. Pretty much. That's yeah, great. we we I, I still say he's the sixth member. That's amazing. That no one sees. And I and I will say, I know this just from being around you guys, you guys have had him back on stage with you guys it, since he left the band yeah. to do special spots and whatnot, which yep. has been amazing. I think he did that at Field Day last year or two years ago. Uh yeah, it was two years ago. It's and I think that was when he did his he came and did his uh his solo stuff too. Yes, it was, absolutely. Mm-hmm. But yeah, awesome. anytime he's around when we happen to have a show, he's always happy to jump on stage. Awesome. So back to it, you, you do weed B and you're you know, eighteen into nineteen, nineteen into twenty, you're you're kinda coming along. We can't skip over the fact that you have a family too, man. Yeah. So when did you meet Jess? Uh that would be two thousand ten. End of 2010. So, like, right before the band ramps up. Yeah. Really? Well, that's yep. awesome. So, she's been with you in your musical journeys from the jump? Yeah. You guys have a kid together? Yep. How how was that experience? It's awesome. So, am, where where's my mat? Is Tom seven? Tom is seven, yep. So, same age as your band? Yes. That's cool. That's, mm-hmm. that's another really neat, like, parallel. Yeah. Right? He was born one year after Jess and I started dating. That's amazing. So how was that um, transition into being a dad, man? That's got to be a little shell-shocking, I would assume, just because you were slightly younger. But Yeah. Yeah, it was, uh, um, it was unexpected, but that's one of the things that I wanted out of life. I wanted to... Uh, I wanted to write stories. I've always wanted to. I've always been creating stories since I was in like fifth grade. I wanted to, um, and I wanted to have a son. Specifically, I wanted to have a son. So, Carry on the bloodline. So even when it was, uh, even when I was really young, I was like, man, I don't think I'm ready to be a parent. Like, well, maybe you're never really ready. You know. I like so, that. That's very well said. Because so. it's going to happen when it's going to happen, and you've got to take it or. I mean, be an awful person, I guess, yeah. is really the way to look at it, you know? So, you're going to deal with it or you're not. So, you don't just do Weed Be, though. You have also, and, and this is why I know you're such a passionate creator, not just, you know, you said you love to write stories, and I think that transcends into writing lyrics, because you've spawned off several different bands. I mean, the first time I ever heard of Nick Maxson wasn't Weed Be, it wasn't Huge or, or anything. It was, I think, was it Edge of Oblivion? Yeah. You guys were supposed to do a battle of the bands with us. Really? At Royal Skate. Yeah. Like right when we were first starting up and something happened, you guys couldn't make the date. Maybe you had been double booked by your other, one of your other bands or something. Some weird thing happened, but it was just like, uh, I remember Ben Rose talking very fondly of you and he was like, you're going to meet this Nick guy. And then it didn't happen. It was like, shucks. Yeah. And of course, this guy over here was always talking about you. Dongo. Yeah. The Dongolator. Don- <laughs> <laughs> Dongo and the dog gobblers. <laughs> Stop. He the dog father. Some dogs, I'll tell you that. He's the dong father. <laughs> the dong father. <laughs> uh, I got Nicknames you don't want. <laughs> <laughs> uh. So you're in Weed B, and I got to know, 
when was your decision to first start spawning other bands out? I think the first uh, spinoff was uh, Boner Jovi. Sweet. Which is just just night and day. Uh, Boner, jo- Boner Jovi is a cover band that specifically plays hair metal. But um, you guys do it so well. Oh, yeah. No, we dress up and you we're, take we're it wild. to the ma- And he, let me say this. I want to say just because maybe some people don't get and appreciate this that much. Once you guys go into the, the, the Jovi characters, we're di- you, you're not coming out. No, yeah. You're there all night. Yeah, it's, we're locked in. It's it's very impressive. It's yeah. almost kind of hard to like talk to you <laughs> as, as like the promoter because I'm like, hey, man, like what's the deal? And you're like, yeah, whatever. It's, it doesn't matter. Like, when I'm in the mode. When you're I'm in, there. When I'm in Johnny Joe Boner mode. It's man, but you guys, you know, energy and being able to play music together supersedes, I think, necessarily creating your own music. I think if you can find people that you lock in with musically and create anything that, that like, you connect with each other, you're going to do something that's better. So I, I love that you guys have Boner Jovi as a thing, but you guys have also created like people that love seeing you live and they're, they are cover songs, but that doesn't matter. Oh, yeah. They're there for the party experience and the whole, all of it. He knows. Dave Chips. Yep. Dave Chips and the thing. That one time we, uh, we had a, we had a feud going on. Boner Jovi had a feud with another group of guys, the outhouse guys, the dwarf among midgets guys. And uh, Dave Chips was in our corner um, until one time when we were playing, he came up to sing a song with us and went heel in the middle of the match. Stone Cold Stunner, Johnny Joe Boner. And then the Dwarf guys started throwing teepee. They teepeed the venue. The entire venue was totally covered in teepee. And I was buried in teepee after being stunned. Oh, man. It was man. wild. Is that the craziest experience with that band you've had, you would say? Um, we did... We played the Doom Room's tree stage, and the tree stage is just, we put some boards underneath a tree that was really cool, uh, we put lights in the tree. It actually looks really, really cool. It just sounds silly. I've been there. Yeah, I've yeah. seen it. Um, I fell out of the tree. Ouch. While performing. <laughs> that, was kind of, that was kind of a mess. But, Oops. But no, I'd say that the TP was probably the funnest, funnest Boner Jovi experience. And Boner Jovi became a thing because, what was it? Um, we had a poster. Someone had broke uh, one of my posters that was in a frame on the wall. So I went and looked through all these posters. I had a Bon Jovi poster. Um, all right. I got it from Hot Topic because I worked at Hot Topic, and they just got rid of shit. I'm like, I don't know why I'm going to need this Bon Jovi poster, but I need it. Never know. So I put it up on the wall, and within 10 minutes, the guys in a band called Lucifist had taken Sharpies and just wrecked the poster. Um, just drawing penises all over the place. Of course. It's it real lewd and... Um, but funny, no less. But so the whole band was spawned from defacing a Bon Jovi poster. Wow! Because I say we've got a whole list of jokes that went way too far. And, and that was a joke that went too far. Bon Jovi was a joke that went way too far. But it worked, and out, is now right? a six-year-old band. Wow! We've had years where Bon Jovi played more than we'd be. Really? Yeah. Interesting. Is now that's got to kind of be. Being that I'm also a person who is in multiple different avenues of life and have to kind of keep track of it all, that's got to kind of be good for you, though, because you get to kind of, like, rest your bearings on doing Weed B, so when you do it, it's super fresh. Yes. Then when you jump to do Boner Jovi or Huge, it's fresh. You don't feel like, man, I've been grinding away six years with these guys at practice every week, the same ten songs every week, you know? You have Escape. Yeah, that's huge. It's absolutely huge. So you go, you go through you go through seasons. 
Yes. Like, and I tell people, they're like, hey, we should get we should get huge up and running again. I'm like, well, I'm, we're about to record an album, so we'd be gets another two or three months, and then I can, you know, move on to the next thing. And So, Jovi was first. Who was next? Um, or what was next, I guess, is a better way to ask that question. I'm going to forget. I usually forget forget about edge of oblivion it's funny that you mentioned i might not have even thought of it it was probably edge of oblivion next really um and then huge huge would have followed after that man th- i mean you have and those are all different stylistically different kinds of things totally different totally different yep so that's got to be a fun avenue too that you b- are able to dip into it's not like you're in four different hardcore bands it gives me the ability to practice different things without tarnishing what a certain thing is um, like, cause I, I, I do those heavy metal vocals, but I want to do cleaner stuff, but that's not necessarily a weed bee thing right now. Totally. So that's what makes Boner Jovi fun is I get to go up there and make different weird noises with my mouth. Yeah. So <laughs> I like how that was said. Weird noises with your mouth. Yeah. Uh, so I got it. We're going to kind of go all over the place here. So you are in bands and I feel like that's going to spawn right into the next thing. You're you're widely known as the founder, the creator, the mastermind behind the Doom Room. Yes. Which came first, the Doom Room or the Weed Bee? <laughs> uh, the Weed Bee. So, and then uh, I'm guessing out of not having anywhere possibly to play, you said, no. Yeah. I'll make my own thing. So we played, our first show was a house show uh, at a place called the Hilltop Fortress. Okay. Um, and... Uh, we played our first couple shows there, and I always tell people that we were like incredibly bad. Um, you know, just is that fre- just internal? Guys, is that internally no. telling? But you, you actually I feel like it was a bad seen, performance. If we had seen we'd be play, we would be like, damn, these guys need to go practice. Oh, um, but it was fun, and we were energetic, and we were young. Got a taste. Um, and they let us play, and they asked us to come back and play. Um. So when they stopped, so that was only, the Hilltop only continued doing shows for another six months or so after we started playing. So we decided since uh, we were starting to look for a house, we looked for a house with a basement so that we could have a practice space, but also be able to do shows if we wanted. So it was a way of um, continuing the legacy because there's always been, um, for the better part of 13, 14, 15 years now, um, we just call it the Lafayette Metal community um and the hilltop was you know they carried the torch before them it was the suicide dungeon and before then it was the flayed house and there's just all these different house show venues um so we anticipated carrying on the torch that way until uh my ambition got in the way and i was like we should go play shows that are not at the house but so then that's when we started going um and looking for other venues to book additional shows because we booked, uh, we booked house shows and other venues at the same time for three or four years before the cops finally were like, you guys can't actually do this stuff at your house. I'm like, well, okay. Really? That's interesting. Yeah. I, 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 I don't know what their reasoning could be, especially, I mean, your location, you got to think you don't have really super on top of your neighbors. Nope, not at all. You have open fields behind you. Yep. Uh, I, I don't think you were endangering anybody by playing shows per se. I mean, they maybe against that but because I, the capacity in your house was too maybe yeah, too that much. Was, I, that was one of the more believable 
excuses was there wasn't an extra exit in the basement. So if something went wrong, there was only one staircase. And we packed we packed 100 people in that tiny little basement. Wow. What's that like, having 100 possible, maybe some strangers in your house? Oh, it was always, always strangers. There were, there were thousands of people. That you don't know possibly that came in, in and out. A lot, a lot of them that you wouldn't know, but a lot of them that you got to know. That's sweet. Um. So you kind of, uh, one thing I want to say is that the Doom Room isn't just like this brand. It, it actually almost has its own personality because the yeah. building itself took in different characters. Dong Father over there was a character. <laughs> yep. <laughs> He's yes, not he going to live that down. <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't like that a one. Lot of the, that's when you know you're doing it right. A lot of the Bruise crew, I think, that you have now probably oh, all, of them. all guess, originated. Brett, Brett and Zach were buddies that I've been friends with for years. Oh, excellent. But I would say Dave, Dick, those are guys that I met through, through that shows. community. So how did it feel to almost to take the I mean I don't know if you necessarily meant to take the responsibility off of Hilltop Fortresses back and carry the torch but did you when you started booking these shows realize that's what you were doing or were you just I, I, like essentially the goal that was in front of you was playing another show putting another show together it wasn't looking at the big picture of it all I would say it was I would say it was big picture sweet because we like I said we were those first couple shows were pretty rough but the fact that they they were still like, well, you guys need to get out and play. Like you need, you know. And they were very inviting. I want I wanted to give that back and because I wanted to give bands the opportunity to play when you're not good. Because no band, lots of bands don't come out the gate kicking. You know, it's very it takes practice. Very difficult. So I wanted to be able to give back and give back to the community they gave to me. Sure, um, so you got busy with it, man. I mean, you guys were booking Lafayette Theater. I mean, there's a whole Doom Room shows map now that exists that's, like, yeah. amazing. Yeah, we've done... Yeah, we did that a couple of years ago, but it's still pretty accurate. There's been... A name change, at least. 24, 25 different venues in Lafayette wow. that have catered to our styles of music. Excellent. Which is, you know, I guess... So before, before the Doom Room, the Lafayette metal scene was pretty metal. Um, and we stuck that way for quite a while where we booked primarily heavy bands. Um, but now we book everything, anything. Everything. I love it. Yeah, absolutely. One of my favorite acts. I haven't personally seen them live, but you guys had them through. And because of that, I checked them out was uh, seven sons. Mm-hmm. Those guys are phenomenal and they're not like metal. Like you would expect. They're it's a totally different quartet. Amazing. Yeah. Totally amazing. We booked a ska band a couple weeks ago. What? Last night we had a a dance chiptune guy play drums to backing Game Boy tracks. It was that's amazing. It's wild. That's cool. So you, super cool. So when you were doing all this and bringing all this music back to the community, you weren't just also focused on music. You started to find a love for beer and yep. brewing beer. Yes. So when did that jump into all of the things that you're involved in? Um. I would the home brewing started in 2014. So not too long after you had got the Doom Room up and live, right? Yeah, it's like it's all intersecting within each other. Mm -hmm. You're very ambitious. I just want to say that. Yeah, you put a lot of different things on your plate at that time for sure. Yeah, I like to put my eggs in all sorts of baskets. It served me well. There's a dozen eggs in a I know carton of eggs. Got to put them places, you know. But uh, so. When did you decide, like, man, I'm going to just start brewing beer? Like, let's do it. 
it, it, we had been uh, exploring craft beer. The early um, stages, too, because it didn't really break out until like 2012 or 13, I would yeah, say, I would, right? I would argue that um, definitely in the past eight to ten years, it's it's gotten wild with, with the variety. Um, but, you know, we were we were those guys that, you know, when you're younger, we were just drinking shitty, shitty beer. Bud Light. Perhaps, Bud Light, all that stuff. Yep. And eventually you get the one good beer, and you're like, well, that's actually, like, not bad. Like, I actually enjoy drinking this. And we would, you know, we, we were exploring, you know, we, th- we thought we were drinking all sorts of crazy stuff. Um, and we eventually decided, let's just try, let's just try to do it ourselves. Um, and then since then, uh, as you're very well aware, we started uh, a podcast where we tried new beer uh, on every episode, and we're drinking anywhere from four to sometimes eight beers an episode, and we're uh, we're on episode eighty now. So just in the past year and a half, we've tried well over three, four hundred beers. It's one thing crazy, but it's another thing. It's it's admirable because it allows you to have such a a vast palate. You know. Without question, what kind of beer Nick Maxson likes to drink over anything else? If you're going, because I'm sure you're probably like me, and like my experience when I go to a restaurant, not necessarily just with beer, but with food in general, I don't always order the same thing. I like to try right. different things just to go, well, I tried it. Yeah, maybe exactly. it's So then if I do go to a place, I'm like, I know for sure today what I want, yeah. you know? So in doing the, the home brewing, you started Maxson's and Me, mm-hmm. which is your. Homebrew company, yes. I guess you'd say is the best way to say that. Yes. Uh, how many beers do you think you have brewed uh, since you started that? I would say somewhere near twenty-five unique recipes, and then we redo. We've redone almost all of them at least once, just to so. see if you could either a recreate or b you could yeah. tighten it up to make it better for X, Y, or Z. Yes. Do you write notes down when you? Oh yeah. Uh, so you have very meticulous notes of this is what we did right this is how we did yep. it if we're going to tweak this is the thing we probably should do that i mean again science and it takes a lot of guts to jump into something like beer making it's the perfect mix of both science and creativity so in the beginning i had no science all creativity i want to make this we made a cinnamon ghost pepper stout i remember Why? i tried it at the first LaFiCon i hosted got- we're throwing we're throwing in the kitchen sink, you know. We're gonna we're just like let's do this and let's do this let's do this, um, and and you can do that just from a creative standpoint, or you could go in and, and know exactly why you're putting in exactly why you're putting in that much, um, and I do that a little more now, but I still like to just go here's just a pinch. Ooh, Salt yeah. Bay, I love it. Yeah, yeah. You, you uh, Hops Bay. Yeah, Hops Bay. <laughs> <laughs> so thank you. So um. One thing that probably helped doing Maxins and Me is you also had an opportunity to work at a brewery that has allowed you to be in a part of that science. So you've now learned more of the sciencey stuff as well. Now you're creating an even balance of your creativity and your science. So as far as Maxins and Me is concerned, I know you have a lot of big things planned and a lot of things coming up. I don't know how much of that you can talk about. You're kind of the gatekeeper, so I guess it's your choice. But... um, I just know that um, as far as that venture is concerned, you're destined to do well because 
the first beer I tried of yours was that cinnamon ghost pepper beer right here on this very stage. Yep. And it was the weirdest, best, strangest, hottest, what the what ever. What am I doing? <laughs> but it worked. Yeah. That's the crazy thing. It actually worked. Cinnamon ghost pepper? That shouldn't work. But you did it. So, okay, let's get back into it. What was your, what, I actually know the answer to this, but most people probably don't. What inspired you guys to start Huge? Uh, <laughs> uh, so Huge is our political band. Sure. Um, I don't say that it's anti-Trump. We're not just going up there and talking about the Cheeto Man. Um, but we go and we poke fun at all the things the that are poke funnable stuff going on. You know, cheeseburgers. It's, it's, it's not saying fuck this guy, fuck that guy. It's saying I'm the cheeseburger king. You know. I hope that you write a song on your next huge album called Cheeseburger. Cheeseburger. Or Kofife. Cheeseburger. Yeah, Kofife. <laughs> we have a Kofife song. Oh, yeah, you did. You guys did that. That's we have my a spray man. tan song. Um, See, that's using music for comedy, too. Yeah. It's not, you're not necessarily, and that's another thing that we should probably talk about being in bands. Being in multiple different kinds of bands allows you to take it in different levels of seriousness. Yes. Like, you're very committed to what Weed B is doing. Not to say you're not committed to other things, but that has yeah. a different end game. They've all got different vibes. Correct. Weed B is the sci-fi blackened death metal band. And then Huge is more of the comedic... Um, it's, go, it's, more, it's going for the system kind of thing. Totally. Um, Politically aware, but also having some comedic aspects yeah. and elements to it. Yeah. While still being wicked yeah. and breakdown-y. Yeah, I like, I yeah. like Huge a lot. Yeah. We're it, coming back. I know. I can't wait. I'm excited. Heck yeah. Uh, another thing that you guys do is, uh, I'm going to screw this up. I guess you don't really have a name for it, but you, Weed B has started to venture into something that's probably really personal for you in doing some System of a Down songs. Yeah. Right? And I mean, that's got to be a little bit like cathartic to go back to the music that really is what got you into music and to then have the crowd give you that energy. I was... I was Oh, they, I saw you play some of that stuff, and it like I've seen we'd be a couple times, but that was a different experience seeing you guys do the do the system of a down stuff, feeding a different energy. Is that something you're going to spawn off possibly in the future to a whole nother avenue, or is that uh, overzealous? It has been talked about, discussed. It has been talked about. Okay, so it's it's a different thing, you know. It is. It's, it, it's uh we did it. It was a Halloween show, so bands will. Um, for Halloween, I don't know why it's Halloween in particular. I guess since you're dressing dress up. up as something that you're not. Um, so we did, someone asked us to do a Sismo Down cover set. So we learned 30 minutes worth. And we're like, we could have played three hours worth. If we pick, like everyone's like, I want to play this, I want to play this, I want to play this. And it's <laughs> hilarious that every uh, every five members of the band, everyone had 10 songs they wanted to play that we didn't get to. You know? Literally so, the whole discography of Sismo Down. Like, it, no, I, I'm a huge Sismo Down fan. And you take... Anything off of the first album, anything off of Toxicity, you know, steal this album, a little subjective. There are some really cool hidden gems like mm -hmm. Sudi P and IEAIAO is a great song off that. But like, then you get into Mesmerize, Hypnotize, and those are albums you those should just the play the complete, I wanted. <laughs> complete, all the, every song front to back, man, would yeah. be, that's an epic experience. I love it all, but yeah, it's the Mesmerize, Hypnotize stuff that the guys weren't, like, they like it too, but they're like, eh. Let's go no. play the other stuff. I'm like, but what about Question Man? Question's what my... I'm so glad. Sad statue? Come yeah. on now. Come oh, on. Yeah. It's, uh, all, it's all great. So we're definitely going to... 
you know, because we're, like I said, we're a heavy metal band. Our music is it's blistering fast, and the vocals are very, very harsh. But System of a Down is its own separate thing, and, you know, we just like playing music. So if we can play in front of a crowd that's going to appreciate this, then we'll do it. If we can play in front of a crowd that's going to appreciate this, then we'll do it. So we've talked about trying to book ourselves simply as a system cover band. Same band. Yeah. All the same members. Would you ever consider doing, like, the, the the kill yourself mode and booking Weed Be and the tribute band back-to-back? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, we man. did that We did that twice with this set. So we, we were asked to do the system cover set for a particular show. Which was Outhouse's Halloween? The Outhouse show. Last Halloween, right? We did four different shows with the system set. Wow. Two of which we played double sets. How was that experience? Exhausting? It was a little exhausting. Yeah. Because... I'm You're, not used to playing that much. And especially giving your energy as we'd be is one thing, but then having to do a second set of giving the energy and then giving people energy that they're already aware of. Like, System is such a legendary band, so you can't half-ass it. Nope. Because they're going to know, so you had to just really bring it. Uh, you're a very ambitious guy. I need to know, who are some of your influences, not just in music, but in life, that have inspired you to be the man you are, that isn't afraid to try different things, isn't afraid to put your eggs in multiple baskets and, you know, run things till the wheels fall off? Hmm. That's a good question. Um, I got really into Gary V. I don't think I know Gary V. Unless and Gary you... Vaynerchuk. Um, I've seen him on uh, Facebook, I think, right? Yeah. He's he... like a real harsh but very honest dude. Yeah. And uh, I read a couple of his books and Sweet. he's just, he's, it's about the grind. Like people, people say, I don't have enough time for this. I don't have enough time for this. Like make time. You, you, you don't realize how much time you spend looking at your phone. You don't realize how much time you spend just, you know, piddling around or sleeping. Yeah. You know, some, you, you, I, I'm of one mind. Like if I got stuff to get done, I'll sleep later. Like, and even if I yeah. need to cut my sleep short, so what? I know I got my stuff done. That makes me feel way better, and I'll yep. sleep way better than stressing that these things didn't get accomplished. Like, oh no. And I don't know. I don't know if I could pinpoint exactly where it comes from, but I just always have an idea. I feel like I come up with multiple brand new ideas every single day, and I forget four out of five of those brand new ideas. Got to have a notebook. Day. You write down your ideas. Oh, your I've ideas got book. several notebooks, and I've got I've got ideas that are never going to be touched. <laughs> I've got ideas that I want to do, but I've got other things going on. I just always have had the. I've always got a million things going on, and I don't feel like I think there's time to waste. And another thing, if you start to put too many commitments, then you run into uh, not nurturing everything with as much time as they need. And I have been there. I have been there. So what was that like, stretching yourself too thin with some of the things you do? Because, I mean, you run shows constantly. You're constantly working or doing podcasting. And, you know, I feel like you're the kind of guy who, um, if you were a hunter, you use every part of the deer. Yeah. Down to the bones. Yep. Like, oh, hey, I'm going to play games, and this is my one night a week to nerd out with my nerd friends. But that's also, like, really funny content. I should record that. Now Dungeons with Dudes is a thing, yep. you know? So, like, and it's hard to, yeah. It's, it's a hard juggle um, trying to create, being a content creator, um, just there's just so many different things, you know, like, like you said, like my week is mapped, like 
to the half hour. Like, I'm doing this till this time. I'm doing this till this time. And you can't deviate because if you do, then it all get, goes off the rails. Then, every, then the things aren't getting the, the nurturement that they need. Um, and like, it's hard. Heaven forbid, or like, you know, you have something. Uh, and we, I've experienced this with you where, like, there's a show and everything's going to plan. And then. One thing that no one in the entire building could have predicted happens, and it's put the show off an hour, and immediately your stress level, yeah, because you're like, come on, man, like, can we just, just keep, gotta it keep going? rolling? Yep. And 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 that, I think that's one thing that you recover quickly. Like you don't really dwell on things when they get tough. You just like, okay, well, the only way to continue is to keep going. Yeah, because I, I mean, I've been there. You know, things are gonna, they don't, things don't have to derail. It can get a little wobbly, but you gotta try to make sure you don't go off the tracks. You know, I th- I think that a, a great thing to say is that you're going to be a really big inspiration to Tom when he becomes more aware of all the things that you do and the the, mm-hmm. pl- the plates you juggle consistently. You know, uh, what is that like giving him? Because it's hard being a parent of a younger child. There's only so much kind of advice you can give to a point that they can even understand. And you know, I think you are a very kind, gentle person in your parenting. So do you have it mapped out to spend time with Tom, like in a certain XYZ setting, or is it like, no matter what, if this is happening, Tom should be there. We can do this. We should do that. You know, it's definitely become that more lately. Yeah. Cause he's um, growing up. Cause he's more growing up. You know, he's seven now. It's harder to do that when they're younger, but yeah, we're to the point now where, you know, like when we're doing, uh, um, Dungeons with Dudes and stuff. Like we haven't got there yet, but we fin- it finally clicked. He can just do it with us. Yeah, there's no reason that he can't be part of it. Um, so there's definitely those times where it's like mapped out time just for him. But when you can, just have him there with you, so he can see it. You know, because he he's gonna look back. He may not. You may not realize it now, but he's gonna be like, Dad was always busy doing constantly, stuff. always. Yeah. So does that terrify you too to think that someday he'll listen back to your shows like your podcast because it's like a chronicle of absolutely the early days of him growing up and whatnot and it's really your journey more expressed yes it's like a live audio diary really yep so I've always I you know I'm a story writer and I'm all, you know I try to you know I keep keep journals I keep diaries to remember things like that but it's one thing to read someone's words and it's another to hear their voice and it's another to see them. Yeah. And, and uh, I think that's going to be cool for him. And he already wants in on it. Um, we've inspired the next generation. <laughs> he, you know, he watches the, the YouTube content creators and he's already asked. He's like, he's like, I want to, I want to have a YouTube channel, dad. I want to, I'm like, welcome. <laughs> welcome, son. <laughs> Glad you could join the fold. You joined at seven years old. You were ready to rock. So. That's amazing. So what's next for you, Nick? I mean, I feel like you have a million ideas. I, I want to ask, is there any plans to write a novel or a book or a story that you have been maybe procuring through your life that you want to get out there? Or? There's definitely there's definitely a story, cool. a story that I've been working on for a very long time. Um, it just needs love and attention. I think it's going to coincide with the latest Weed Bee because... We'd be used to write single songs about single subjects, and with this latest body of work, um, we've got about 100 minutes worth of material that is a uh, concept album. Sweet. It's a story. So I wrote 
I wrote the story, and then this it was translated to lyrics. So you've got multiple layers where the the story doesn't match the lyrics, and the lyrics don't match the story, but it's all telling the same story, just different perspectives yeah. and stuff. That's amazing. So that's yeah. the biggest. That I'm I'm tidying that up right now. That's crazy. You literally do not spend any time doing nothing. I feel nope. Like that. I feel like I'm wasting time when I'm like playing video games which is one of my favorite things in the world to do but still got to do that you're like oh yeah it's you, on you got to do something you got to do something like that something somewhat mindless. turn your brain off yeah you have to get away from you know and i realize it's weird i don't know if this happens to you when you're in music work mode i will work musically and like be focused on we have practice or this show coming up or whatever that I won't listen to any music at all. I'll deprive myself of any music. Yeah. And then I'm like, wait a minute. I haven't turned the radio on in two weeks. Song. Yeah. <laughs> right. Oh, there's music. There like that, that Now I feel better, you know. <laughs> I feel like, um, man, you know, you, you, you have the Doom Room, two different successful podcasts, all these successful bands. Is there anything that you're not doing at all that you're like, I'm going to do that one day? I am absolutely going to, and I know we just talked a little bit about the story, but I think maybe there's other possible. Um, hmm. I need to start training myself for my bike ride across the country. Really? That's a dream. That's a dream of mine that I've, I've toyed with for a while. Would you start here or would you like fly to New York and then do a coast to coast? I feel like it'd be a coast to coast kind of thing. Whoa. That's. I don't know if I want to do a four corners or uh, just straight across. Whoa, you're uh, very, very ambitious. That's wild. Yeah, that's probably the most wild thing that, that I want to get to work on. Okay, so you asked, said about the wild thing you want to get to work on. What's the most wild thing you have done in your life to this point? Hmm. Or most adventurous, I maybe, maybe is the better way to ask that. Most adventurous. Some people skydive, some people... That's on my list. Horseback ride. I want to... I've not rode a horse. Same. I rode an elephant, though. That's weird. <laughs> that's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, that's, that's a hard one. I feel like I do whatever I want. Okay. Like anytime there's an opportunity, I like to take it. Um, so I've gotten up and just drove halfway across the country before. Like, fist my down. Like, oh, wait a minute. They're playing and I'm not going to get to ever see them again. I guess we're driving 18 hours to go see them right now. Because there's no other chance and they might not ever be back. Yeah. I love that. I love the, um... I hate to use this term, but the YOLO of that. Yeah. Like, you do only live once. You only have one opportunity to experience these things. Why deprive yourself if you if yeah. you can just soldier through? Yep. So. Absolutely. I tried to not deprive myself of um, any opportunities. Life's enjoyments. Yeah. Heck, yeah. Well, Nick, I think this has been a very successful Voice of Survival. Yeah. I feel like we've touched on a little bit of everything, which leaves us open to have a way deeper conversation the next time you're on, right. which we're going to. But uh, is there any closing thoughts you want to talk about before we get out of here? Hmm. I don't think so, man. No? This was a lot of fun. Well, heck it's yeah. Fun to what, it's fun looking back. On all the things that have been going on. You it, you know, I had uh, one of my guests earlier this season say, you don't spend a lot of time reflecting on your own life because you're so caught up in living it. Yep. That when someone asks you questions about, like, what you were doing or why you thought that or why that happened, that you just, like, you have to actually take the, the blinders off for a second and go, wait, what is my life? Like, what happened? Yeah. And um, 
I, I love your story. I like your journey. I feel like again, there's so much to uncover. Like I want to learn more about like the the like the teenage years and learn about how transitioning through oh, high yeah. school went because I feel like you probably had a little bit of a rough path like I did maybe oh, with yeah. being in a different school right transitioning in fourth grade your kids are harsh at that age oh yeah so we this was intro to Nick Maxson intro to Nick Maxson next that, time on voice of survival with Nick Maxson chapter one yeah we dive <laughs> in we dive into the nitty nitty gritty I'm all about that hell yeah man well I think that's going to do it for this week's episode of voice of survival I want to thank you guys so much here at LaFiCon for listening into this story thank you guys so much if you're an audio listener make sure to check out both of Nick's shows coming up on Saturday and Sunday on the journey into comics network with Bruise with dudes and dungeons with dudes you get them every Saturday and Sunday right here on the journey into comics network that's going to do it for this week's episode I've been Nate I've been Nick Thanks for being on, man. Anytime. It was awesome. All right. Thanks, folks, for listening. We'll see you later.